Welcome back to another episode of Dread Talk. Uh, I know we've never properly introduced ourselves, uh, so we're going to do that now. Uh, I'm Jeff. Andre. I'd like to, uh, you already fucked it up, dude. <laughs> You're supposed to talk about why we got into the podcast, dude. So, <clears throat> we got into this podcast because, you know, we both have an interest in all things paranormal, supernatural, um, mystery, just anything that is unexplainable. We kind of just wanted to kind of dive into that realm and experience more of it and kind of have some firsthand experiences, I would say. Yep. And based on those experiences, um, I showed a clip of the audio we got from episode three to one of my buddies who is a Bigfoot enthusiast. Uh, so he heard it and immediately thought, hey, this sounds really similar to the Bigfoot sounds that I've heard in the past. Uh, so we brought on Caleb uh, today. What's up, Caleb? Thanks for having me on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, tell us uh, a little bit about uh, what sparked your interest in Bigfoot. Like, how did you get how did you get started in in the Bigfoot realm? Right. So um, it actually started at a really young age. It's probably um, like we're talking like four or five, which sounds ridiculous, but it's because uh, my great grandfather, which would be my dad's grandfather, he had a property in Kansas. So. Um, my grandmother so his mom would tell us these stories about you know her in-laws and what was going on on their property and they had all this kind of like strange weird stuff and some of it is kind of outside the realm of mm-hmm. bigfoot probably borderline paranormal stuff but we can get into that another time but um so when you're growing up as a child and you hear these stories and it's coming from your family it's like it's fact you know and um so and especially when you're with your siblings so i'm the youngest of four so when we were be told these like campfire stories you just kind of absorb it and you're you know in awe you're scared but um (laughs) it it was my grandmother was great at telling stories but essentially the story just to kind of run through it would be they would have these strange smells and these really odd kind of screams around the property on certain times of the year and they would attribute that to whatever the rational human catalog you know you're going to go through but after the kind of last incident people started to think bigfoot and there were some other things leading up to that but the brief backstory on my great grandfather was he was an alcoholic. You know, he'd kind of lived his life. He'd done his thing. And I don't mean like a raging alcoholic, like beat right. his wife or anything crazy, but he drank a lot. And I think in his 60s, he became a Christian, got saved, dropped it. And he was a very no nonsense kind of guy, super practical, super pragmatic. And um, basically, something was taking stuff out of his garden. And so he built this iron fence around the entire enclosure to deter whatever animal it was. He rodents and stuff like that. Right. Sure. So what happened was one night he was up and something was looking at him through the window next to their door and he took a shotgun and shut out the entire front door from the inside. Oh, Jesus. So it honestly scared the entire like family why he would do that. And uh, to this day, like I see my uncles once or twice a year, we used to have like a get together and they would always kind of tease me about, you know, Oh, I'm out looking for Bigfoot or whatever. Right. But when that story comes up, like everybody changes because interestingly enough, like my, my dad's parents, they knew each other before they got married. Like their families knew each other. Mm -hmm. So both families knew my great grandfather really well. And so that story kind of like weirds everybody out. Like my uncles talk about it and it's just like this kind of ominous kind of feel comes out this ambiance because everybody's just like yeah that didn't make sense like why would he do that and not only that but when he shot it this thing ran from one side of the gate through the other and it just completely crushed it so so whatever it was was huge for it to do that to an iron gate so that was essentially 
what sparked my interest. And so, and uh, I was telling Andre earlier, I was, I was, I was homeschooled and I think reading just kind of comes with that territory because you have a lot of time on your own. So at like the age of like seven, I was at the library getting every book I could on Bigfoot and I'd read them all. I'd go to the next library. And so that was just kind of the intro. That's like, that's what got me into it. And I just kind of maintained that. And I mean, it ebbed and flowed over time, obviously, like I'd lose interest or stop reading or whatever for a couple of years and then it picked back up. So right. that was kind of the initial interest in what happened. Okay. Um, so uh, you go on Bigfoot stakeouts now. Um, what, what is that like? Like, what do you, what's your process to, to do that? And what are you looking for? What are you like listening for uh, when you go out and do stuff like that? So when I first got on the internet, and started looking into this my brother was stationed in alaska so we were like we were using some form of im and we were sending each other reports so um as much as i have some reservations with the organization there's a group called bfro which is bigfoot bigfoot research organization or field uh organization bigfoot field research organization whatever and um they document reports by the county for each state and then by the territories in canada and etc and so we would send each other these reports. So what I kind of did was um, I took the counties closest to me that had the most sightings and I just started going out. And some of that was after I found out on the internet, this wasn't just like 30 years ago, people were seeing these, you know, like an hour from Houston, two hours from Houston, whatever. And wow. so I started looking in some of these areas. And then honestly, a lot of it at first is just a lot of field work. Like you're out there and it, it's hard because you're trying to find something that's like, oh, this is Bigfoot, you know, and you've got to take an objective approach at everything. So you kind of have to discount everything you can. Right. So there are some signs um, and these are kind of highly debated, but um, you could find um, the biggest one people will talk about would be like stick structures. Like somebody's making a teepee out of sticks. Uh, you're finding, you know, a decent sized tree that's been uprooted and it's upside down within these structures, things that don't make a lot of sense. Uh, another really highly contentious one is tree breaks where you'll find a, a tree that's like seven foot off the ground and it's broken and there's no clear reason why hmm. people think these are territorial markers. Um, what I found, and this is a little more, I would say accepted, but I can't speak for everybody that believes in it, obviously, but is uh, twists. So when you're walking through the forest, sometimes you'll find a plant or specifically like a smaller tree, you'll find a branch that's been grabbed and it's been twisted multiple times around. Hmm. And when you see that, you have to think like what animal, like only what someone with like a that? hand right. can do that. Thumbs or... Exactly. But it's funny you say stakeouts because after I'd found some areas that I felt like were kind of established, uh, my friends and I would essentially just walk to an area and hang out. We started with days and then we moved to nights and mm -hmm. we went to just night hiking essentially. And we would find areas and we would just hang out there. Um, and then we would just listen. So we're listening for vocalizations, um, which could be something like what you heard, or it could be honestly, um, a lot of people call them like, mimics or imitators mm -hmm. so you're gonna hear something that sounds just like an owl but something's wrong with it and i can kind of go over that um if you want oh, but like um and i've heard it and it's eerie because uh typically when an owl just like who's uh there's a trill at the end because it's like Hoo, and it, you hear like this natural kind of trill in the throat mm -hmm. um and, and i've heard these things do this probably maybe 20 yards from me where they when they 
whoo, they go back and there's a there's a deep exhale where it's like whoo, uh, like just like that, and you'll hear that. And that you'll be actually like, kind of freaks me out thinking about what we <laughs> heard, man. That was just so wild, dude. Like just that's yeah. The craziest part of that is like obviously you can hear it pretty well when we amplify the audio, but hearing that in person was a completely different animal. Like going back, it is creepy, but actually experiencing that like in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere was very being the scary. only two people within like five mile radius all around mm. us it was uh quite terrifying yeah. there's nothing we'd heard before like it, it didn't sound human but it didn't sound like an animal either it was just very it was just something wasn't right about it like you said like it just didn't sound right mm. so what do you think is the biggest reason bigfoot isn't uh more popular as far as like the people that believe in bigfoot um since there are i mean there's enough evidence for for you to believe in it so why is it not enough evidence for other people there's literally less evidence in aliens and and people choose to believe in aliens more than bigfoot right like no yeah that's a good point um so um it's kind of a lot to impact but i would say so a lot of it so and from a historical perspective, you know, you have the Indian Cenum, you have documentation of the Viking Cenum, uh, you have Theodore Roosevelt writing about, you know, what he saw. You have another number of historians, Lewis and Clark, like all these people documented it. And then as we moved into the 1800s or in the early 1900s, uh, people have all these sightings of like the wild man. And... Um, and Timothy Renner has a book called Bigfoot in Pennsylvania where he does an awesome job. Like he just pulls straight, excuse me, articles from this time period and mm -hmm. just is like, Hey, check this out. And then with the inception of gorilla, the verbiage changed because we discovered gorilla. So now you're saying wild gorilla is running through Pennsylvania, terrorizing family, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. But the reason I bring all this up is when we hit the fifties and sixties, you know, the hallmark of Bigfoot was in 57 when Jerry crew, he was working in California and him and his uh, crew basically were having an issue with something, throwing their equipment around. And then he cast one of the first prints. And there's a really famous photo of him like holding it. It's a massive print. And that was actually where the term Bigfoot came from was whoever wrote the headline. And that's where the word picked up. And then there was a Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> quite literally. So gotcha. um, fast forward about 10 years. And I know we're gonna talk, we, we were going to talk about this at some point was the Patterson Gimlin film. But um, and at that point at the debate, that's when Bigfoot became a little bit more household. But people really weren't convinced because, you know, you have like I could go find any random hunter and be like, hey, have you ever seen Bigfoot? And he's going to be like, no. And I think a lot of that just that kind of urban culture people not having their own encounters like, well, I've lived out here. You know, if anybody's going to see it, it's going to be me and they're not seeing it. But to flash forward to today, um, no offense, but like we have these shows like Finding Bigfoot or Monster Quest, and some of them have some good material, but a lot of them are kind of a joke, and that's not helping the cause by any means. I mean, uh, because they're not trying to convince somebody who doesn't believe it. They're really just kind of reaffirming for people who do. Yeah. So it gives it like a very fake kind of – It's not know, a genuine like, yeah. thing at all. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, when I went to Salem, Massachusetts like three years ago, uh, we went on some of those uh, like – witch tours where they kind of tell you a little bit about um you know the, the salem witch trials back then and they kind of said the same thing how there's a lot of shows and movies that don't really do it justice like a lot of people because of those shows think that we burned witches in the u.s which we didn't That's, right that was like a strictly european thing um so i think it's just the the media kind of skews it and makes it more than what it is just for you know views and 
likes or whatever. The yeah, they just twist the narrative, I mean, to their liking so they can, you know, obviously keep getting people to watch it. Yeah, Which absolutely. kind of sucks for, like, legitimate people who, you know, want to find real evidence and, you know, real uh, real cause for their belief when stuff mm-hmm. like that exists that mm-hmm. is kind of, I guess, like, not helping their cause. Not at all. So if you can kind of deviate from the sensationalism and you start looking at the hard evidence and this is something i would tell anybody i'd be like look if you don't believe it that's fine but if you're willing to like do some light research get online read for like 30 minutes a day for like two weeks and you're gonna start seeing an insane amount of consistency in the reports the same behaviors you know uh the same kind of sightings the same just too many consistencies and then if you go back 100 years you're gonna find the same thing so um i just say all that to say uh essentially what we've already said but just it just seems kind of it's just been taken like a joke and it's kind of been a joke so at this point it's really hard to go back which um like if you talk to an academic and you say something about bigfoot he's gonna be like whatever but if you say oh like evidence of relic hominids his he, he might his ears might perk up a little just because when you're using that kind of verbiage he's gonna be like oh this guy's taking a more legitimate approach it's like a stigma towards it's pretty much right. gotcha all right so th- that's what i would say um I, I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, why people don't at least look into it, but at the same time, like it, like I said, there's a stigma. Like you, or like you said, there's a stigma, and so I, I I can't really speak for those people. I can only speak from my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you mentioned the Patterson film um, as being one of the, I mean, the biggest uh, pieces of evidence that people use to to justify the existence of Bigfoot. Um, with that. Being there, a lot of people have said it looks like you know, a man in a suit, or uh, you know, it's somebody just you know faking it. Um, but I read like a long time ago, like people haven't been able to replicate the exact movement that they see, like with the shoulders or what. I don't know the details of it. Um, and another thing is like Planet of the Apes came out around that same time, and mm-hmm. this is like one something that I mean I kind of felt is kind of off about it like if you look at the planet of the apes like in the movie mm. the original one the suits are very fake like yeah they don't look legit like they don't look as good as the 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 patterson film bigfoot right so a hollywood like, film was doing it worse than some dude in the woods pretty much what you're saying yes, I got like you. they had a better budget for, right i mean <laughs> not saying that's a legit you know claim to it being real but at the same time like it's just kind of off-putting um so is that true about like the the replication that people can't replicate it correctly uh like the the guy in the film or the bigfoot in the film right and it's not just about size so everybody who has tried to replicate it uh <laughs> ridiculous um so it's it's it because like you look at this guy and he's huge or the she because it's obviously a female i mean there's breasts in the video if you watch it closely and uh, <laughs> zoom in a little bit yeah right like, and, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. um so for me, it's like, and if you go on YouTube and look up like Bigfoot videos, you're going to see hoax and you can almost immediately tell. So there's there's probably like three points I would point to to say this is why it's not a hoax or this is why it'd be really hard to hoax. So, and these are same points I brought up into like contemporary groups about mm-hmm. something I saw online, like some sort of photo. And these are, believe you, these, I mean, believe like, like these people believe in Bigfoot. And I'm pointing out details of like, hey, this is why I think it's legitimate. And it's just either 
going over their head. And I don't say that to sound arrogant or anything, Mm -hmm. or they're just dismissing it. So it's like, I say that because even people in the Bigfoot community don't always understand like what kind of justifications you can have. So like, for example, so the shoulder movement isn't anything too crazy, right? Like if you've seen the video, Patty walks, turns, looks at him, keeps walking and then walks into the wood line. Mm -hmm. And, um, the little bit of context there is Roger Patterson was interested in Bigfoot. Um, he had actually just released a book about it. He heard about the phenomenon because this is kind of, like I said, um, Jerry crew had just brought Bigfoot as a household name. You know, this, this story went international. So Roger Patterson was hearing about reports in California and he was looking into them. And, um, unfortunately he had a little bit of a shady pass, uh, kind of a get rich quick or get rich quick scam kind of guy, which kind of hurt his credibility through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he recruited, um, Bob Kimlin to help finance his ad- like these adventures, like, Hey, let's go look for Bigfoot. And he was like, all right, cause Roger was broke. So, Bob jumped on and started helping him. So they went to an area that prints were recorded a few weeks before and um, they got super lucky. And then they took the footage that we know as Patterson Gimlin film. So the first thing I would say is when Patty is walking away, um, clearly trying to get away from them, uh, she turns and she looks at him. Okay. Nothing crazy, right? Well, when you, as a human, when we turn our, um, our jaw, like we don't come in conflict with, our shoulders so we can look either way mm-hmm. and we could turn all the way and we're not going to run into our shoulder. So if you're a gorilla, your trapezium and your shoulders are up super high. Right. So if you turn to look, you're going to immediately do this. So this is why sometimes you'll see them kind of look up and over. Right. Or they have to change their entire orient, their entire uh, torso to take a look. So small detail, nothing crazy, but no, we're that's talking, interesting though, for sure. We're talking, you know, sixties, I think it was 67 and, let's just say it is a hoax these people put their you know they put some serious thought into this because that's just like that's just like one tiny detail that's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. um to me one of the bigger details is and this is where i've kind of pointed out to people about more contemporary photos and stuff is on the video when she's walking away um her foot the bottom of her foot you can see it Mm -hmm. every time she takes a step you can see the bottom of her foot come up so when we walk as humans like the the biggest degree we're probably going to see is like you know like seven or fifteen percent like if we don't think about it because we're used to walking like this but our foot barely comes off the ground mm-hmm. so if you're a human and you try to bring your foot up to almost a ninety degree angle which is almost what Patty's at during the photo or during the video you after three or four steps the inertia and the gravitational pull is going to make you fall forward like you can't take more than three or four steps because of our center of gravity is falling forward essentially mm-hmm. while you're trying to take that huge step up. So a person cannot physically walk with their feet like that more than three or four steps. Like, and like I could get up and show you, I'm I'm not going to, but we can do it. Uh, (laughs) But you know what I mean? We, we, we can talk about it later, but I'm saying like anybody that's listening, you could try this, like just walk and try and get a 90 degree angle with your foot and try to walk comfortably. And you're 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 going to fall without just bringing your shin up, like with your knee, like at a 45 degree angle. Right. Like just, just your foot in general. Yeah. And so we're like, your foot is almost level perpendicular with the so your ankle with oh, the apex wow. instead of like your knee. Right. So, um, and that kind of goes back to what some people think about some of the different anatomy they have than us, uh, that they can do that. But the biggest thing is, um, would be body ratio or metrics. So if you take a person and you were to superimpose them over Patty, um, their feet and their knees would about match up. Okay. But everything else is going to fail from their, 
you know, where they're, how low their uh, hand is falling to their hips, to their, uh, to their elbow. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Elbow um, to, you know, their shoulders. None of that's going to add up. And like, if you actually study humans um, versus chimps or gorillas or whatever you want to say, is sorry i'm going through my notes real quick i just want to make sure my number is right um so um so humans our arms have about a 20 percent length difference than our legs okay right and chimps are inverted they have the same 20 percent difference but their arms are much longer than their legs Mm -hmm. so if you were to like i said superimpose a human over patty she has about a five or six difference percent on the length so what that's saying is her arms are a lot closer to the size of her legs. So if a human were to be in a suit, they would have to have arm extenders. Not impossible, but not plausible at that time period, right? right? So that puts her more in the middle between, you know, chimp or whatever than her than human. Right. So that to me is pretty significant because even if you can get extenders for the arm, you know, your elbows, are, you're going to have problems with your elbows. You're going to have problems with where the hips are. You're going to have problems with where um, the shoulders are. So it's not just about putting a person in a suit. It's about putting a person that can do everything I just mentioned flawlessly. And while they're carrying football pads, etc. And it's just, it's, it's not possible. And the last thing I would say, just look at the video and uh, look at some good video. And you can see the muscle movement in the hips and in the back. Like clear as day, you can see the muscle flexing and moving and like that's not going to happen in the 60s yeah if you're wearing a suit too yeah you wouldn't be able to see that kind of stuff for sure that's super interesting absolutely because uh, that's a lot of stuff that like people see that and be like that's just a dude in a suit but they don't actually like dive deep into the like, details right. like that so and that's real quick i just want to say like the first point i made was by grover krantz who was like actually someone from academia he was like the first real uh academic to get involved he made the point about the shoulders uh the foot movement um jeff meldrum made that point he was an anthropologist he's the one who's real big on like the feet and like the prints and uh and then the last point was actually just made by a youtuber who's huge in the community name uh thinker thunker and uh yeah i know great name right <laughs> but um he 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 analyzes a lot of bigfoot videos or evidence but um i just want to say like those weren't my points like i'm you know i'm not that smart <laughs> but uh, i, I want to give credit where it's you know where it's due but right, they all make really second. good they all make super solid points, but sorry, go on. Yeah, That's awesome. Now, this is uh, going to be an MLA format, so we do need to work excited page at the end. So. <laughs> um, uh, so with that, like the Patterson film, we've, we've seen that, and that's a very prominent uh, show of Bigfoot. Like it looks like what we would think of as Bigfoot. Um, so my question is, why is there not more footage like that? Like why is why was that like, Patty, I guess is what you referred to the, the Bigfoot as. Uh, why are there not more patties out there that are just not scared to be seen by humans or um what like with all the bigfoot hunters now or like uh, what how how how's more footage not been found of that like of that quality where it's like very clear no yeah that's that's probably the biggest kind of dogma of the whole thing or enigma is like how have we not done this um i would say a, a couple of points are just human nature in the sense of unless you're recording um and you see something like this even if you're like me and you've been looking for it for a long time or occasionally um because i don't have the time you know yeah Uh, yeah, right um i'm not sure if i would have the 
emotional and mental stability to just click on i think your best bet is a gopro just on your chest or like right. even on your head i, I wouldn't do that It'd look ridiculous but um that's probably your best bet uh, but there's and there's there's a there's kind of almost a conspiratorial aspect of this where i would say like like if i had footage as good as the patterson gimlin film mm-hmm. i would show you guys but i wouldn't release it at all and i wouldn't release it because uh one on a very like shallow level your people are going to say it's fake Right. And I just I don't want to feel like dealing with that because at this point it's not about proving anything to the world. It's more about just the own adventure with my friends. Right, and, you absolutely. know, it's just fun. Like you guys are talking about questions, paranormal stuff. Like it's all interesting. Like those are the some of the few great mysteries left to life. Right. You know. And um, the other thing is, is uh, this thing is super smart. So kind of going back to that. Um, so people are like, why can't we get them on trail cams? So most trail cams put out IR. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think they can sense IR because some animals can. If you didn't know, snakes aren't particular can, but certain animals can sense IR. They can see the field. <laughs> I was asking you about your recorder earlier, and I use an older recorder, and I use an older recorder because it has very, very low phantom sound. And phantom sound is actually why the power is running. There's a small sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people think when you're putting out these electronics, it's kind of like uh, liking or link like liking it to if you have an animal. Um, especially like a dog, if you throw something in the middle of the living room, when they walk in, they immediately notice it. Yeah. So a lot of people think when you're putting stuff in the woods like that, you're like, completely foreign, like just yeah. like not doesn't belong there, right? Right. Um, and we don't know like what they can see, you know, how they're what like what the level of their senses are compared to ours. Um, but it's still a fair question. Um, I think that there's legitimate recordings out there because I've heard the whispers of it uh, from drone footage from uh, people camping and finding it are like actual researchers but i don't think they want to release it either uh, for some of the same and and, it, and the conspiracy kind of aspect of that is of course the government's involved and um <laughs> are they always <laughs> so there's just been people who have supposedly released certain things have had some serious backlash or repercussions or consequence whether they meant to or not mm-hmm. and uh be, whether that's true or not it's done its job of keeping kind of people in the dark on something like that. Like they just, it like, I have a lot to lose, not saying right. that I would, but I do have a lot to lose. So I, I like I said, I don't know if I'd re- release it. Um, but that, that's just some of my theories. I can't tell you why that's a fair question. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet. Um, as far as like Provo Canyon, you know, Paul Freeman had some good footage. Um, uh, there's a few out there of like the Oklahoma video, the Memorial and, uh, the, uh, labor day i want to say those are all different videos uh none of them are super conclusive but at the same time um some of them seem pretty legitimate um Mm -hmm. there's a couple that i mentioned that i'm kind of on you know like i'm not really sure one way or the other just because like there's one that's super clear like the independent independence day footage is like clear as day and it's almost too clear because that's just kind of like the mentality. Like, how did someone get something this clear? Right. And uh, to me, it, it just kind of it seems like a person, but I don't know. But uh, you can find stuff online. Um, you just kind of have to know where to look. Or yes, you can I'm send sure there's plenty of. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any legitimate pursuits by the scientific community on Bigfoot? Um, yeah. So, like I said, Grover Krantz was the first on the scene. Um, and then, uh, you had, I guess it, it kind of means what you mean by that question, but there are legitimate 
individuals in the world of academia that are involved mm-hmm. but there I, as far as i know of like there's no like university like making a study um if that makes sense uh jeff meldrum you know anthropologist who's super well known um these are there are individuals like that but they're far and few between just because of the amount of ridicule they get from their peers right um one of the things jeff meldrum said when i saw him was just like hey we need wild you know uh wildlife biologists which there's another one uh, who just passed away about a year and a half ago, two years. John Bendernagel, wildlife biologist. Um, he was really involved. Super cool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have them, but like I said, the amount of ridicule, I don't think many people are going to get involved. And if they are, they're not going to say anything. Um, Jeff Meldrum said that um, he was working with one of his interns or something. And they were talking about stuff and, you know, there are all these people around and they walked off and it was just him and her. And he was going over what she needed to do for like her research project or whatever. And then she got done and she walked off and then she turned around and she was like, I love your book, by the way. And he was like, yes, you know, because he <laughs> so he, he was kind of like actively encouraging people in the audience like, you know, hey, go get a degree and help us with this, because yeah. unfortunately, it's not going to be legitimate until it comes from the mouth of people that have legitimate backgrounds, which if you look at your encounter list, you got doctors, lawyers, judges, like all sorts of people, a lot of police uh, that are the people who are claiming to see these things. But um, at the end of the day, you know, if the public thinks it's a joke, like it doesn't really matter who's seen it. Um, so you, you mentioned some names um, and I'm sure there's some bigger names in the Bigfoot community. Um, is there any like key points that they have seen like any evidence on or anything like that, that they disagree on about like some of the footage they've seen or is there any like um, anything like that at all? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of infighting in the group, which is kind of surprising. Cause like, um, you know, we're the people who admit to like <laughs> uh, being interested in this or involving or researching, whatever you want to say, like to the public, like we're you might as well say we're looking for unicorns. Right. Right. But, they still can't agree on a lot of fundamentals. Uh, I guess there's a few fundamentals they do, and then everything else is a debate. Um, as far as specific evidence, not really. There, there was, you know, there's been hair um, analysis, um, which uh, a couple of documentaries went over. Um, they said it's not human, it's not chimp. They're not sure what it is. Um, the biggest piece I would say would be vocalizations. Um, mm-hmm. The Sierra sounds is probably the biggest one. Um, it's also called the samurai chatter because, I mean, I don't know if that's a little racist, but they sound like samurais or what you would imagine samurais like. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. And um, and that's pretty, that's pretty popular. Like you'll hear that um, if you get involved enough, but that's been analyzed by a number of like audio specialists who aren't just audio specialists. Like you have an audio specialized analyst and then you have a like a primatologist i analyze Mm -hmm. it and they're both like yeah this is definitely sounds like a primate um but you know the hurts that they're getting into isn't feasible by like or at least we haven't observed it Mm -hmm. in this you know in any specific group so there's a lot of infighting unfortunately there there's a lot of cannibalism in the bigfoot community but they all agree on you know it looks like patty yeah right exactly um so you said you wanted to swing it back to the whole um, intelligence portion of yeah. Bigfoot and how you know he's evasive, et cetera. Yeah, so for example, um, there's a really famous case that happened, I believe it was in Oklahoma, and um, and basically this family was getting harassed by a group of them and or another family group, whatever. I don't know. I don't remember the story well enough to say if like the family provoked him or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, a lot of people say the first thing, like if somebody were to call me and be like, hey, Caleb, I'm having a Bigfoot problem. Like, what do I do? I'd be like, okay, we'll put up motion sensor lights all around your house because they don't like light. And so... um, so are they like predominantly more like a nocturnal? Correct. Okay. So that's why my friends and I were out at night. I mean, they're not strictly nocturnal. Right. But I would say that they do like 90% of their work at night. I mean, I'm just making up numbers here. But uh, just because a majority of the sightings or activity, even in my own experience, is almost strictly at night. Well, even ours, if that was what we heard. Exactly. It was like 2, 12 o'clock. Especially like... It was, yeah, it was insane, man. <laughs> especially like the uh, dusk to kind of twilight times mm-hmm. seem to be their peak time. Um, but um, so this family installed motion sensor lights everywhere. And um, initially the first few they had up, the light bulbs were being broken because they were throwing rocks and knocking them down or whatever, getting close enough to break them. Oh, wow. And so they installed even more. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what they found over time is that, so those sensors have like a little, it's almost like IR, like it sends out a field, and when you break the field, that's when the light triggers. Mm-hmm. Well, they were finding their sensors were turned in. And so what they realized what was happening is they couldn't figure it out because their lights were getting broken, and then they installed more lights, and then that seemed to turn for a while. So they, they definitely have some problem-solving capabilities. Uh, but what they found, which was, to me this is nuts, is on their property around their property line they were finding these bundles of sticks and what they realized is that the bundles of sticks were markers for how close they could get before the light would trigger and then they found that's crazy they found the weaknesses in the sensors and then we're getting close to the house and hitting the house again so they must like be able to like detect or even see like ir you think yeah i mean it could just be trial by error like just to keep trying it see how many steps you take yeah, so that's, they found, you know, two sticks piled here, right. which was the indicator. So that's that's pretty phenomenal, like, when you think that's about that. That's kind of terrifying, too, yeah. if you think about it. Like, that's how, like, a level of intelligence these creatures have. That's insane, man. But but you also have to keep into context, like, for something to be around this long and go essentially undetected, like, there's a pretty amount of intelligence that have to be invested in that. Like, I don't. I don't really get scared when we go out if, as long as I have a group of three. Right. Because um, rarely do they escalate anything outside of throwing rocks or something outside of a group of three. Because you got to think even like a cougar or a bear has to justify the amount of energy they're going to use for a kill or something, right? So these creatures have to justify what they're willing to deal with. Because if the three of us have guns, which everything I've read clearly indicates they know what a gun is. I mean, the second somebody touches a gun, their face and everything about it changes. Um, so maybe they know it as a boomstick, like whatever, you know, mm. um, I don't speak Bigfoot, but, um, <laughs> so that sounds like you do. Yeah. So, um, but with that being said, like you have to really like fully comprehensive handle, like how long have they stayed this undetected as right. an overgrowing humanity, so there's some serious and sophisticated intelligence there. I mean, people don't realize this, but when, before we discovered chimpanzees, when these people were, like, tracking them, you know, like even Jane Goodall with the gorillas, um, chimps were covering their tracks, like right. literally covering their tracks. And that's a chimp, you know what I mean? So um, who knows, like, what kind of level of intelligence we're talking about. Um, I don't think even, it's on Even if it was though. the intelligence of, like, a, I mean – a child, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's still insanely intelligent. I mean, yeah, for that's, animal. That's what's crazy because even like chimps and apes in, in general are very smart. So if yeah. this is in, in between, you know, chimps and us, like, yeah, like anywhere be... in that spectrum is going to be very intelligent. 
yeah. to the point where they can Absolutely. do stuff like that. Absolutely. I mean, chimps use tools. I mean, they do all right. kinds of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's pretty, that's wild, man. They kind of, that's kind of terrifying wild, for sure. <laughs> it's wild, man. <laughs> uh, good one. But I'm just. Before we stopped a few minutes ago, Jeff was going to get to, I think, about the bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because that's like a classic argument. So, yes. Um, I just kind of wanted to speak to it for a sec, would be for like. Sure. Um, so some people do theorize that they bury their dead, um, which is the theory. There's a few Indian tribes that have talked about, like they have their own burial mounds, just like the Indians do. Um, but you can make a pretty solid argument of if you, if you were to slaughter a deer and leave it in the forest, I mean, by the end of 72 hours, there's almost nothing left Right. because once you get down to your bones, like porcupines are dragging the bones away the only reason we know that gigantopithecus exists the mountain gorilla i referenced earlier is because porcupines pulled their teeth into caves and they were able to build an entire system off of just like a you know like a, a reanimation of what these creatures would be like and what their habitat was based off a jawbone and teeth which was dragged into a cave by a porcupine and that's why it was alive i mean that's how we know it existed right that's crazy so you could take that approach, um, but I've heard that same story about the people um, getting harassed on their property. You know, they said they dropped one because they were at the point where they had friends and neighbors over on their house, like shooting these things. This in the '60s, and when they did drop one, the others came back and picked it up. So, um, so I mean, that's a level a whole another level of intelligence right there, being able right. to comprehend death and stuff like that. Cause, I mean, most like mammals and stuff like that really can't comprehend it. So right. I mean, that's insane <laughs> i think ravens have like funerals are rumored too for the fellow ravens that have fallen really? i don't know if y'all have heard that but no. um i've heard that a few times i don't i don't know if it's super true but I, i've read that online um so yeah i mean i can't emphasize the amount of intelligence we're dealing with on this on this you know in this subject i'm sorry um so yeah but the other the other thing that people and it's a more layman's argument would be okay so i've spent a lot of hours in the forest right and i've probably only come across bones twice and they're always deer bones mm. um so you can make the argument we know bears exist we know cougars exist and if you guys don't know like cougars are ridiculously elusive bobcats um and uh i'm, I'm probably a little more worried about running into one of those in the woods than bigfoot in some ways um just because they're like so like they're dangerous they're sneaky man yeah exactly yeah. and uh but with just that just being said like we don't have to find a bear skeleton to know they exist. I know that's not right, really, absolutely. that's kind of a false equivalency to a certain extent, but that that same argument kind of still stands. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, how often are you going to, any of us actually walk through the fires, forest, I'm sorry, and find any bones? Yeah, I mean, so, how often are you going to be going and searching for cougars and you right. find one? It's going right. to be, yeah. I actually had a cougar sneak up on me one time when we were staying at a cabin. Uh, and what was her name? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was terrifying. We're all sitting around the fire, and I just like Same look over and just like see it literally sneaking behind the trees, mm -hmm. like circling us. And I was like, "We oh, no. should go inside," because I mean, those things literally like to pick things mm -hmm. off. Like they'll snatch something and pull it away. I, <laughs> I found their prints, and I've seen a tiny bobcat. Um, at least where I've done most of my research, but I haven't seen them. I'm not eager to run into them by any means. Hell no. And so stuff. I guess to transition into something you said earlier, um, you said a, a bunch of people have gone missing in these areas. Mm. Um, 
though is uh, is a lot of that attributed to Bigfoot or maybe stuff like wild animals and stuff like that or is that just a coincidence or what? Yeah, so no one really knows. Um, it's just the Bigfoot community kind of was like, hey, this is kind of an interesting parallel because if you were to take Bigfoot sightings and the clusters of them and overland with the clusters of these missing people, there's some pretty uh, astounding, you know, correlation. Mm-hmm. But once again, like, you know, we don't really know. I mean, no one really knows. There's all, all kinds of things that could have happened. I mean, from snakes to you right. know, other wildlife out there that could have contributed to a person being killed or well, going getting lost. I mean, all kinds of things. The thing about that is they're not finding the bodies at all. So we're talking about them using bump lines. And, like, if you don't know what that is, like, you take a group and you have, like, you know, you're within arm length of each other. You go out to an area and you actually take a string and you mm-hmm. string it up and then you crisscross and go back and forth and that shows where you've searched and then um they're using you know FLIR, which is like forward infrared you mm-hmm. know it's on helicopters i mean you're talking about thousands of people not thousands i'm sorry hundreds of people and um you know uh, trail dogs what are the terms for that um like the Sounds like search dogs yeah like, like I mean... you know you're search and rescue all these people are involved and we're not even right. finding bodies so it's kind of suspect and then when they are finding bodies, they're in – sometimes they're, like, wedged between boulders, like spots that's really weird. Uh, they're finding the bodies. They're You know, they found three-year-olds alive six miles from their house up an incline, you know. Wrong and sometimes this is, this is, like, a couple of days after, you know. And some of these times the, – and granted, I'm just generalizing a bunch of different cases, mm-hmm. but – you're talking about kids that went missing in the fall where they should have succumbed to the environment overnight and they didn't and they're not sure why wow so i guess two things to go off of that is one i guess they have this some kind of morality system uh where they don't hurt kids but they will hurt adults or older people and what do they do with the people if they can't find the bodies like are they like eating them or are they like like putting them like between boulders like you said earlier or like what well, yeah, I was going to ask you that too. Are they strictly vegetarian? Are they, <laughs> they vegan? You know, I think um, they eat everything. Um, if you go back to Indian accounts, they talk about how they were stealing fish from the Indians' nets. Oh, wow. If you go back to hunter accounts, they'll talk about dropping a deer, not being able to find it, um, which doesn't My necessarily deer. mean them, but you know, <laughs> there's a huge difference between finding someone who's been eaten or a deer, let's just say, by a cougar, than just straight disappearing you know it's just not like any kind of scavenger coyotes wolves they're gonna leave kind of a mess and a mark yeah this is something that's literally hauling off the entire yeah it's just gone so um i don't i don't know Uh, back to your question on the ethics side um i have no clue if you read enough accounts um i definitely wouldn't say they have a very good ethics system in the sense of uh there's actually a few pretty big stories of one tribe getting targeted by these things to the point where it was taking women and children and like, and it's nuts. I'll have to find it for another time. But like these, this tribe essentially wrote against these things and they had like a pile of bodies and it's documented within their trials, like their tribes history. Um, So I, I wouldn't say they do in the note, but then on the same time, I've heard stories where, um, which I didn't even bring up like what happened when I went to Kentucky and all of that and that like little Bigfoot expedition. But like um, there are times when people have rocks thrown around it like I did and whatever this thing was that threw it, like it could have, it could have killed me with a rock and it didn't. And it could have, I've heard a story where a rock was thrown and they were like 
throwing it at a couple and they weren't hitting them but one of the rocks hit the mom or the wife or whatever or the girlfriend i can't remember and they heard like a gasp from the force like oh like we didn't mean to do that yeah exactly so they were just trying to scare them in a sense like not actually meant to hurt them so i i don't know i i would say that these things um what if it varies like just by by, you know like like any like like people i mean people you know have fewer morale sense of morality than others and but back to the the kids thing that he brought up like you know like they're you know helping these kids or whatever i mean i was seeing cases where like kids have fallen into you know pens with you know apes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you know the apes see that they're you know harmless they're they're children you know they have no means to defend themselves so they literally like will cradle them and like <laughs> rip but seriously i mean i've seen something like that happen before and I, I feel like that might be along the lines of why these kids or whatever that have gone missing into the you know woods or whatever and they've survived the night mm-hmm. because these things like you know felt pity in a sense and kind of well, took them in there's definitely um there's some accounts of hunters who had them in their scope and this creature was totally unsuspecting and they couldn't pull the trigger because it was way too human looking to them and i think oh, wow. you could kind of you know reverse that in the sense of mm-hmm. you know these things are raising things that look like us and we're raising things that look like them so if you bring in a maternal instinct you could probably yeah, I mean, there was a guy, an author actually named Frank Peretti, and he wrote a, f- a fiction book, but he wrote um, about essentially Bigfoot and how it, it like lost its child, and this girl got kidnapped by them, and the the, the child had like brown hair, and she had brown hair, mm-hmm. and so um, he kind of just made this like humanity aspect to it, where you know they like you said there there could be I I don't doubt that they have morals and like like. I'm not really scared. Like I said, when I go out there, I, I, that's that's a lie. But <laughs> um, just because I've I ain't ha- scared, but I'm I'm scared. But you know, <laughs> well, I've had I've had bluff charges twice, and I'm talking about like where I'm out at a pretty deserted area with a couple of friends, and this thing is plowing through the forest, and it is breaking everything. Like if it's an animal, it is a hefty bore because <laughs> when it's coming through, it is breaking, and it's letting us know where it's at. But it's stopping, and I've had it. I've had this happen where it stopped within probably twelve feet, where I could see everything moving. I just couldn't see what it was. And uh, my friend and I were out there doing our thing, but he was testing his uh, new Google Pixel two or whatever, and he was taking night photos. And this thing's coming up, and I'm like, bro, bro. And then like when he finally paid attention, it was like the movie. It was like that awkward kind of chuckle where like we can hear it paralleling us, and then charging in, and then just stopping um, right on the wood line, and. Uh, it scared the crap out of us, needless to say. But I, I don't like if it wanted to do something, it could have. Yeah, know? absolutely. And it didn't. And so, I think um, if it's not morality, it's self-preservation. Because mm. uh, this is probably my own kind of personal theory, but I think they've learned the consequence of dealing with people. And when I oh, mean yeah. that, like, if you go missing and the three of us are in the woods, like there's going to be cops. There's going to be search and rescue. Everybody and their mom's going to be there within a couple of hours. Exactly. So it's a lot easier for them to just scare somebody off who might not even believe in Bigfoot or just like, Oh, there's some crazy boar out here, you know, whatever. (laughs) And uh, so I I think it's more about self-preservation, but there could be a moral aspect. I just, I mean, it could be a self-preservation thing with protecting these kids too. I mean, like Mm. they don't want people to come looking for these kids 
in their territory. <laughs> yeah, there's there's definitely some really unnerving stories where kids are telling their parents about the monkey man in the window and they talk about no exactly <laughs> and when you hear it coming from a kid and the parents are like oh they're just screwing around and then they talk about yeah like he keeps showing me his teeth and he's motioned me over and so it makes you wonder um because you know in the primate world showing teeth is like not a good sign but right. at the same time it could be like it could be a female that's just like hey come with me or it could be a male who's like hey i'm hungry like yeah right so uh i don't know but those stories I got too. those those stories always creep me out just when the kid talk because they're, they're very you know how kids are they're nonchalant they're honest they don't care and um and then it, it just kind of brings a whole sinister aspect to the phenomenon because you're like mm. what but um yeah uh it, it's interesting to kind of consider the moral implications Absolutely. of some of that stuff and so you've told me before um about stories of people like with firsthand encounters with what they claim is Bigfoot. And uh, you've kind of gone into detail about what those experiences were like. Can you kind of like tell us again, like what those people have experienced, like what they say they've gone through, like when they uh, try to like fight off Bigfoot or have encountered them like face to face? Yeah, it's, um, it's not super straightforward. Um, kind of like what Andre was saying earlier about, um, uh, the i'm trying to think about it okay so when you're driving mm-hmm. and you know somebody cuts you off some days you're like whatever and then some days when they cut you off you're like i'm gonna kill this guy yeah and uh so it kind of it's kind of like that like you said it's like human interaction so a lot of the times um people are just kind of like oh wow this is what i'm seeing but i think that's when they're undetected right so mm-hmm. when they are more of a face-to-face situation there's definitely kind of a standoff um and that's where and and honestly like actual like physical interaction not not like high-fiving or something but uh, (laughs) no like 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 you want to go like kind of like follow up to him in a sense yeah yes and no so i would say it's more like um there's almost a curiosity on both sides of the line Mm -hmm. but sometimes there's a kind of like oh what are you doing here and then it's like wait what are you doing here you're not supposed to be here Mm -hmm. but i would say nine times out of ten like it just exits the situation. Um, a few times I've read of them like taking out offensive kind of measures, moving on to people. I've heard of a story where a guy was pushed out and was literally pushed. Um, like just, he felt it like literally on him and it just pushed him. And um, I've heard stories of people, you know, getting bones broken. Um, those are very far and few between. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say there's kind of this, scary kind of spin this kind of hostile and i wouldn't necessarily say that's true it's true in the sense of when they're trying to get you out of their area they're going to try and scare you out of the area but i wouldn't say most are hostile like i like not that i'm anybody to speak to this but um there's personal opinion there's very very few accounts where i've heard of people being dead Mm -hmm. but i've heard them and they're pretty brutal to be honest with you um one of the reasons my friends and i went to lbl so if anybody who listens to this podcast is familiar with a lot of the things I'm talking about, they're immediately going to be like, oh, you went there because uh, there's a story or two specific to that region about like a couple. And I think it was, they were both couples just getting like totally ripped apart. Jesus. So it seemed like a good idea at the time. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people um, make mistakes. It's all good. 
So, and I, and I can kind of go into that a little bit if y'all want, just because that would be a more, like, I can speak to that because I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I was like, hey, we're going to go on, like, this Bigfoot expedition. I'm taking two of you guys. We didn't call it that because that sounds dumb, so it was a road trip. <laughs> um, but uh, we met up. You with, want a BFE? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we met up with a friend in Tennessee, and then um, Jason, and uh, picked up my friend, Alex, he was actually moving back from DC to Texas, so we met him halfway. So it kind of was cool; it worked out that way. Um, the worst part was it was July, and Kentucky is just as awful as Houston. So it was hot as. Yeah, <laughs> just leave it at that. Hot. <laughs> the temperature is so high. Um, so we get there. We have a you know couple of cars. We go primitive camping, and Land Between the Lakes is called Land Between the Lakes because it's a bunch of rivers and it's LBL. a bunch of lakes, uh, which is LBL. Sorry, and yeah, there you go. And uh, <laughs> it used to be called uh, Land Between the Rivers, but uh, I think that was the Native American term. So you know, of course, the white man's got to change it up. And uh, white man. right, hate him. <laughs> and uh, so we find a primitive campground after like the first night, and. Th- when I registered our camp, like they didn't even know where we were at. Like this lady didn't when I was trying to explain where we were. So to give everyone kind of a visual, we're like almost on a peninsula. We're surrounded by water from like, like if you were to take a circle from basically, you know, your uh, 90 degree to your, I guess. Give it to me in radians. Right. Uh, from, but so if you were to take clock from three to nine behind us is essentially water. We're kind of on a bank. Okay. And then, so at the three o'clock, it goes up a slope into a road, which had more campgrounds, but they'd all been overgrown because nobody had used them in forever. So we have all this water behind us and, um, we had been camping there or whatever. And I like went off and did my thing. And I was like, okay, so like I found a tree structure where, uh, there was like a probably 14, 15 foot tall tree that was inverted and pushed into another trees. And all these branches are mixed in like twisted in. Mm. So I was showing my friend Nick that, and I was showing him like these tiny little structures. And I was like, this could not be it, but you kind of have to take a step back and be like, could this have been, you know, flooding like any, you know, you have to apply as much. Roll the natural causes right. first. Right. And then you kind of come to your own conclusions, but we were like, okay. And so, we had kind of ran around the area and hiked and then uh it was actually the second to last night um which was the last night for us um and we had gone to bed at like two or three and one of my friends was passed out in the hammock the other four of us were in the tent and i was on the side closest to what would be the three o'clock because i knew if anything was going to happen it was going to come from that ridge line so i just like wanted to be closest to it and unfortunately a little ballsy right (laughs) well fortunately and unfortunately I had one of those tents where it's like you can see through and I didn't put up the bug net because it was super hot. So that was like kind of hard to fall asleep. Cause I was like, dang man, we're going to wake up and something's going to be looking at us. But, um, <laughs> so obviously when you're camping, you find the flattest surface for your tent mm-hmm. and we had a super flat surface and there was a tree probably two feet from my corner and, uh, which would be like a, you know, like one o'clock ish. Right. And, um, we're on a little bit of an incline because it's declines the next 40, 50 feet behind the tent into the water. And, uh, it was like the loudest frogs I've ever heard in my life. It was insane at night. They were just so loud. But, uh, anyways, so that night when we got in, um, 
something throws a rock from the ridge line based on where the rock lands and hits that tree and it hit the tree so hard the tree wobbled and the tree's only like six inches four or five and a half in diameter so it's not huge um and then it was such a big rock that when it hit the ground we all felt it so i like i sat up and believe it or not i was just i kind of laughed because i was like this is the moment i'm waiting for and i'm <laughs> like i'm totally unprepared this is it. I'm, I'm happy but sad yeah and depressed. so i was just like i chuckled and i was just like this is it like, let's go <laughs> this is the end. and um so we're we're sitting there and my friend will actually had headphones on and i was like dude did you hear that and he was like yeah what the heck and i was like dude something just threw a rock at us and my friend nick's like already about to start freaking out but he's like, trying to play it cool i'm cool man i'm cool I'm cool so we kind of sit there for a minute and i immediately just make out a game plan i'm like all right look they're throwing rocks they're just harassing us so they're not going to do anything because there's five of us and um and we have a gun in the car <laughs> which is totally not going to help at they're this like, point but there's eight of us <laughs> <You're> like, oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you came to the wrong neighborhood <laughs> yeah so um we're just chilling there and i'm like let's just go back to sleep and i i laid out a game plan i was like look if this you know hostility picks up by any means we're gonna bounce and not like we're gonna you're gonna start the fire back up because it had been dying down i was like i'm gonna wake up jason we're gonna get the gun out of the car and i forgot like I think I asked Will to do that, and I forgot what I was going to do. But we all had specific – yeah, exactly. We all had specific – You stay like, here. I made we'll a go. legitimate game plan, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so we laid back down, could not sleep, like as you can imagine. Absolutely. No but edge, it, man. Actually, I'm kind of skipping ahead. For As soon as we all laid back down, like – and this is – okay, so this is the part where you said if I ever had that moment where I was like – so my whole life I believed in this phenomenon, like hands down. But this was the moment where I was like, this is real. And when people say the word dread, you don't understand that word until you were <laughs> right. Dread, <I'm> sorry. <laughs> so you, you don't under, <clears throat> you don't understand that word until you were in that situation we were in. Right. And I'm telling you like six cents, everything in my body, adrenaline opens. Everything in my body is literally saying you need to leave. Like mm-hmm. you need to go, you need to get out now. That's what like, we felt, man. That's honestly what we felt, Which man. is we funny. Just, we got there and we were just like, we should not be in this. Mm-hmm. Like we should not be here. There's something wrong about this area. It just doesn't feel right. And literally from the moment we started hearing noises, we were, just, we, we tensed up and we're just like, we probably should go. So when I listened to the episode the other night, I thought the exact same thing. Uh, that's why I was texting Jeff and I was asking him about kind of like the topography, like where the trees around, what was up Everywhere. because uh, that dread set in. And so what I did is I actually set up and I was like, how do you, how do you guys feel right now? And uh, Nick and Will were both like, like bad, like something's wrong, like something's off. And they just like validated they were having the same feeling. Mm. So of course now we're laying in bed and I have to pee, of course, you know, the scary movie kicks in and um, I'll be right back. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, y'all, y'all get out of the, the tent and cover me. We, even though we don't have weapons or anything. And they're like, yeah, 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 we got you. And they didn't get out of the tent. And I was just like, okay, so I'm about to urinate all in this tent, guys. So unless y'all want water beds. Y'all <laughs> so we, I walk out like not far at all, like maybe 20 feet. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care. It is what it is. And I pee, do my thing. Everything's chill. And I have a headlamp on, and they're, like, inside the tent, like, like looking around with their flashlights, waving them everywhere. <laughs> and so when I flash the light back over the tent, there's two sets of eyes. Ooh. And as soon as I hit the eyes, they drop down. Like, they were high up, and they drop. And so like they were still there, but they were just 
drop down. Yeah, like they were trying to like duck. duck. Oh, so look and that, this is dude. over the incline of the tent. I mean, the decline in the tent. So it's a decent size. So I immediately am like, oh, expletive, and I'm like, <laughs> you can uh, cuss, man. We cuss on every episode. It's cool. And so <laughs> or I do rather. <laughs> I I basically am like, like everything at the plan is out the window, and I'm like, will, and I'm pretty chill, honestly. I was kind of like surprised at how well I was chill about the whole thing but i was like will like will come here i need you to see this like come now like come here and he's like okay so he gets out and he sees the eye so before he got there the eyes are doing what this thing is called tree peaking and ironically these trees are really small Mm -hmm. but they're rotating from the right side and then going to the left side like snap shooting and paintball or something and they're going back and forth and it's what weirded me out is they kept looking at each other like they were talking, like two people were talking to each other. Like they'd look and their eyes would disappear and then they'd come back. So I can't see what they are because there's enough ambient light from the fire that is conflicting with my flashlight. You know how you have two right. sources and it's like you don't have a solid glow. Right. You have a weird shadowing effect. And it's exactly. Kind of, yeah, gotcha. So I can't see definitively what I'm looking at. Um, the eyes are bigger than golf balls, but smaller than tennis balls. Uh, super yellow with a greenish tint on the outsides. And Will comes over and he's like, Oh damn! Which is like perfect because he's like he's the token black group guy of my group, so it's just like perfect for him to just be like, "Oh damn!" So we're just chilling and we're seeing this, and then the small one goes into like a prow position or something and disappears, and then the bigger one moves up the bank, back up an incline, and kind of down the trail that you can walk along the river, and um, it comes back briefly, but. And see, this is what's weird, because let's just say I had my angles wrong, and it was, like, two coyotes, and I just, like, you know, like, my memory made everything else, like, seem something more than it was. Right. Imagination running wild. If it, when it was back on the trail, it was so low to the ground, because we were almost at, like, like, it was such a dip down where the trail picked back up, but was almost level with us. It was so low to the ground it was almost like somebody was laying down. Like it had been too small for a coyote unless he was just like laying down. Does that make sense? Mm. Like it was almost like a person's head was propped on the ground versus like if it were a coyote, I would have been able to tell a reasonable few feet. Right. But it went from a down. So it was on this, this is why it was, I think it was bigger because it was on the decline coming down and I could see it over the tent and it dropped when I saw it and then it moved up. So I think it crawled back out and was, but when I hit it with my light, I could see it move back and then, that was pretty much it. So at that point, my friend Nick lost his crap, and he was like, "I, I just, would have noped the fuck out of there, dude." It, it was funny because I could hear him, and he was like trying to wake up my friend Jason. He's like, "Jason, Jason," and he's like, "Jason, catch our gun!" And then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, which is kind of funny because like while this whole thing's going on, one of us is out and a hammock sleeping out there and like after the rock hit and everything we like didn't even think we're like damn alex would be like the first to die like and it didn't <laughs> even occur to us he, he good <laughs> so um basically we we got everybody else up we got the fire back going the other two that were asleep of course are like drowsy and annoyed and like kind of like whatever about the whole situation so alex was more interested the next day and jason was just like you woke me up like for what because by this time everything's gone yeah um, you say bigfoot i swear to god (laughs) so uh i remember because i was like i I think it's like a juvenile or something man and the look you gave me (laughs) are you serious like are you kidding me and um so we basically packed up the next day and left not necessarily because of what happened but like that that was part of it 
But um, I think it was because, one, we knew we really weren't going to sleep. At least the three of us weren't. And then the other part was we had such a long drive back. And um, I was like, guys, like, why don't we just go ahead and get a day out? Like, we can go hang out in Tennessee with Jason for half a day, and then we can head out the next morning, and then we'll still have, a, like, a, some more time to recover before we have to go back to our, like, jobs or school or right. whatever. So, Do you um, record a lot of any of this stuff? Like, do you have any, so, like, kind of, like, like audio or anything? I have GoPros, mm-hmm. and then um, I have... I do have an audio recorder, but I don't have a good mic. Mm-hmm. So every time we've actually captured something, it's been kind of meh on the recording just because the mic sucks. But um, it's kind of at that point where it's like, as much as I'd like to do that, like it's not my biggest priority right now. For sure. And um, uh, like I'd like to put some recorders out because I'm not really, I don't think game cams are going to work because they haven't. But um, well, yeah, we, you know, talked about the reasons why. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I, I think I'm going to put out some recorders, but I'm, I'm still kind of deciding where, um, I was actually considering going back to where you guys were and maybe putting one over there after that. Um, but outside of that, I mean, that, that was pretty much the gist of the main encounter I've had. Um, and you know, we've, we've, like I said, we've gotten bluff charged a couple of times in the woods, which the second time was a lot. I've never heard that term before. It's crazy. Uh, it's actually, I think usually used for gorillas because it's like a, you know, like if you run, they'll chase you. So right. if you stand your ground, you're fine. Um, like a show of confidence in a sense. Right. Right. So that's kind of what, that's essentially what it means. But the second time we got bluff charged, uh, we were out in the forest and not far from where you guys were. And um, it was crashing through. And so after a while, it was kind of weird. It was like, if you guys have seen the movie Signs, I mm-hmm. love that movie, one of my favorites. Absolutely. There was a point where... I was like standing there and this thing is making all sorts of racket and it's probably like 40 yards off into the wood line, a mm-hmm. little bit like up the path and off into the wood line. And my friend Alex is a big dude, you know, he's like six, two or three and he's like two forty, two fifty. And he was after the fact, he was just like, dude, I was ready to bust out a knife and just like do whatever I could because he was that uncomfortable. My other friend Will's like, Oh damn, you know, the classic. <laughs> and, um, but, after a while, the sound kept going on, and I was like, guys, I'm not worried about this sound anymore. Because to be honest with you, I think what's making the sound wants our attention on this sound. Like, mm-hmm. I'm more worried about, like, the other, like, three directions something could be coming. The distraction of some sort. Right. right. That's crazy. So, but I'll be honest, when all the sound quit, um, I was pretty terrified. And, like, I thought I was hearing something, and it was just my heartbeat. But that's how that's how quiet and, like, uh, like in tune you are to everything that's going oh, yeah. on. And uh, and it was like do 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 do, you know. <laughs> well, especially and, when you're in kind of a situation too, your senses are heightened. I mean, everything is just like, yeah, uh, bump to eleven. <laughs> and so, and it's hard because while you're doing all this, you're trying to make sure you're maintaining kind of an objective rep- approach. Like, I, like I don't know that that was Bigfoot. I don't know that it was anything like that. But um, once you experience enough of it, it's kind of like the premise of you know, like when you buy a new car. Like you start noticing your car everywhere mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. an awareness level thing. Um, like the most recent thing that happened, my brother was in town for a week and I took the whole week off. I took him out a couple of times and um, we basically have a spot. We just hang out at now, now where we know like behind us is safe. So we can just chill there and like not worry about what's happening in front of us. And there's water. Mm-hmm. And so we just hang out there. And what's interesting is, well, I think it was the same night or the second night. 
is um, there were some people that were bullfrog hunting and they were driving around and then, you know, they're driving the banks and then they see these three dudes in like lawn chairs in the middle of a forest on a bank and they're just <laughs> like, oh, what? And, um, and I'm like, I'm at where I'm out there like smoking like my tobacco, but I'm smoking out of a pipe. So they're probably like, oh, this is just a bunch of potheads, but uh, we're just chilling there. And, um, so when the boat left the immediate vicinity and went out of the area, there were three howl or there were three of these owl sounds mm-hmm. that had this kind of excel at the end and it was just across the bank from us so that was kind of peculiar and then there were so we're pretty close to an actual campground area and these kids had walked up and they didn't know we were there and they walked over towards a similar area that the boat kind of went and when it got just out of that earshot the same house went again so that was kind of interesting almost like signaling now like i said could have been owls but that exhale at the end Mm -hmm. where it's like and then it's like oh you hear this weird exhale at the end and it's really trippy. And then we sat there probably for another few hours and we actually had like three or four rocks thrown in the water and they landed. Uh, The closest one was probably seven or eight feet in front of us. And that thing was huge. Like it dude, like if we could have all crapped our pants, like, cause it was just, we'd been chilling there for like, an hour and a half just like kind of quiet talking but most Mm -hmm. of it's just listening which is kind of interesting when you put three people together and you can imagine like that amount of silence for that long but it's you're so in tune to what's going on absolutely and these rocks hit and uh it granted it could have been a fish or something but the last one the it was so big like the splash was just nuts and usually fish aren't very active at night Mm -hmm. um but that's that's just kind of the most recent thing but like i really haven't been out there much lately um like i said i haven't had the time but there's a couple of areas I go to specifically, um, but that that's my experience and that's kind of what I've dealt with. And so those are probably the experiences. I mean, the only other thing that happened is we were moving along a ravine one night and we had heard these these kind of screeches. It was the same night we heard that thing I was talking about. It was like, sounds like a female. Sounds like she's like either possessed and she's screaming or she's like on fire and she's screaming. It was awful. And um, something starts paralleling us on the trail in this ravine that drops down. And, uh, I remember cause I was like, guys, we need to go. And there was only like one other in the group of like four or five we were at that realized what was going on. And then the others are in front of me. So I usually lead in and then I usually walk in the middle or towards the back on the way out, depending on where we're at. And, um, and we all have like headlamps and flashlights and stuff, but this thing is clearly walking paralleling us and it's, and it's step, like step, step. It's not just rummaging. And, um, that was pretty uncomfortable but i'll never forget this because like my friends are like whoa and they all stopped and like i'm you know a little stressed because i I hear something right to our left Mm -hmm. and when they all stop and they're like whoa there's like a freaking spider web with a giant spider like just real close to their head and i'm like this is what we're yeah this is exactly like (laughs) let's go in the game guys come on now so um but there's a couple parts of the force that have a totally different vibe than the rest and that's kind of where i think they hang out but I, I don't think they're in all these parts of the forest year round i think there's certain parts that they are in year round and there's certain parts they aren't so if you do enough research into this um you'll find that people are trying to put information together for like migration habits and stuff i don't know how they would do it but um my guess is frequency of sightings or activity quote unquote um but um that that's 
one of the reasons, and this is segueing into something else a little bit different, but one of the reasons I was telling Jeff when he had sent me the audio clip from your y'all's like encounter with whatever, um, was sometimes there's this kind of conflation between what's paranormal and what might be Bigfoot and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I've read stories where people are like, well, I think this is Bigfoot. And this could be on Reddit or the blogs. Like I, I take a bunch of outside the box approaches. To things. Right. You know, I, I surf hunting forums, all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you'll hear this story about a haunted house and it's like they're the side of their house is being slapped or knocked on or, you know, the door, door handles are jiggling and all this stuff. And they're like, Oh, it's haunted. And I hear something like that, and I'm like, ah, that could definitely be something like Bigfoot activity. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you hear the opposite. You know, you hear, like, this thing's walking up my stairs, and it's got red eyes, and it just disappeared out of nowhere, and it's a massive, you know. And I'm like, oh, it's probably something else, buddy. Like, you might want to get a priest <laughs> or someone involved. But <laughs> um, but you're going to hear stuff like that. And so when he sent me that, I was like, it sounds like you guys went out to find one thing, and you may have stumbled across another. Because, right. I mean – the clip that I sent him in response is almost identical, like to what yeah, y'all it's, heard. It's wild. Like, when he sent that, um, the one you sent to him to me, I, I like stopped. I was like, wait, like I couldn't believe that I was hearing what I heard again, but in like better quality. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is insane. And I showed it to uh, my girlfriend, and she was like, that's pretty sure the same thing. So I mean it kind of freaked me out even more in a sense, to be honest, because not knowing what it is, obviously that it was eerie, but knowing that it's something that is, you know, extremely rare. That's, you know, obviously could be, you know, harmful to us or something like that. And the fact that we thought it was literally circling us. Yeah. It was getting closer and closer. It went from our left to our right to where it sounded like it was right behind my car when we were leaving. And oh, it was, <laughs> to be honest, great yeah. awesome fantastic so i'm, I'm glad we that. we noped out of there real quick but i mean it's just it, it i mean the the title of the episode speak for itself i mean hunted at huntsville it's exactly what it felt like man yeah. it was insane and what was weird to me was whenever we heard it in person at first it sounded more like a like a yell like a ah uh, like like that but I guess like the third or fourth time we heard it was like the loudest one was like the, it was more like a, like a good toll. Yeah. It was like coming like from like, it's throat. It was yeah. very like throaty, you know, it, it, yeah, it, was, yeah. it sounded very human when we heard it in person, but going back and listening to it again on the audio makes it sound more animalistic. Like it, it sounded but human at first, though. but then it like with that guttural noise, it sounded human at first. And then it sounded more like, animalistic as he got into the more the more like guttural part right. of it which um, he like was saying how like he they mimic the owls and stuff like that too how it's kind of more like a a weird like rasp at the end in a sense right which is exactly what we heard which is insane and what's it i guess it could have been multiple because there was one the first time we heard it it was to our right like directly to our right and then every time we heard it it was going clockwise mm-hmm. so we Around heard us. another one you know to our like you know whatever right. initially it was like three o'clock then it was like five o'clock then six o'clock and the last time we heard it was like seven yeah um so right next to like us multiple ones or like the same one that was just moving very quickly so maybe it was well, communicating with other yeah and uh, now, that, or, now that we brought the whole like female male thing like uh between you know bigfoot yeah well, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying like that maybe like because we originally heard a very high pitched more of like a feminine sound so maybe it was like you know a female calling to a male and then the male responded by getting closer to us like i mean because i mean 
the one that was extremely close was like the very you know uh, guttural sound that was right where we were and the other one was a little bit further away kind of like in the distance in the field and maybe that she was calling for you know help okay. or protection yeah it's like hey i'll see it is in the cemetery and the other one's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's only two of them we outnumbered him all right we got them but cool. dude, it was it was just, it was just insane, man. Um, I mean, nobody knows anything about these things. Like, we don't know what the gestation Not period is. Like, knows, we don't yeah. know how fast they grow. Right. You know, we don't know what the family unit looks like. If it's like a family group or just a unit. Um, like, are there rogue males roaming around that have been kicked out? Like, we don't know. So, right. um, you never really know when it comes to those details. But you know, like I I can say pretty assuredly that that's probably what you guys ran into just because I don't know, man, I've listened to a lot of audio and I've heard a lot of things. And I would say, cause even coyotes, like it, you'll, you can hear a difference. And it's almost always at the end of when these things are mimicking something and there's going to be a throaty kind of like you're saying that guttural, there's going to be some exhale or something mm-hmm. because it's imitating. It's not a natural thing for this thing to make these noises. So it's, it's not perfect. So, and when, when Jeff said that to me, I was like, Bro, that's why I was like, "Where are you at?" And then when right. he sent me that, I was like, "Oh, uh, <laughs> right around the corner." Well, what do you know? <laughs> that's wild, man. Well, real quick, what we want to do is actually play the audio clips for you, real quick, and um, gonna give y'all a uh, recap. recap of what we heard, and then we'll play something of what he sent to us and uh, compare. compare for sure. The first three clips you'll hear are some of the audio from our previous episode that we captured while exploring the Martha Chapel Cemetery. The three clips that follow are from a Sasquatch vocalization compilation video that sound very similar to what we heard. Listen for yourself. Weird. Has there been more sightings like recently than like ever like in the past? Like, I mean, cause with the the more people who have been aware of him, I guess, has there been more of like a steady flow of sightings than there was before? So that's really hard to answer because I think as it becomes a little less taboo and just a little more uh, finicky or just oh, kind of oh, Bigfoot, yeah. <laughs> um, I think more and more people are more likely to come forward. Um, but I also think that we've probably lost a lot of people that didn't want to tell anybody. Um, I mean, there, there's a lot of people that it doesn't fit into the worldview. So they're going to, they're going to be like, well, that was like a weird bear or that was a weird this. And everyone else is like, dude, that's not what we just saw. You just write it off as something else. Yeah. And some people will never talk about it again. Um, some people will have, you know, people deal with things differently. Absolutely. But I think it's, it's going to be really hard to ever get that kind of data available until it becomes a little less or, you know, destigmatized. But I I would say there is, but at the same time, I have no clue, man. Um, I think that the internet has changed a lot of people. Um, and it's made people a little more open-minded as well as made people. It's given people more of a community to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, but it could just be access to information. Um, 
you know, I was in Yellowstone like last week and, you know, out in the wild. Granted, I was in Yellowstone, but then I went to Colorado and I was out in the middle of nowhere and like, you know, I didn't see anything. That doesn't mean there's nothing there, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really actively looking. Right. Okay, it was a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> but um, I was also, that part of your brain, man. Come on now. <laughs> I, I was also alone right. on an abandoned railroad track in the middle of a forest that I had no idea of anything because uh, my girlfriend was doing a wedding and that's who I was there with. And um, so I didn't want to go too far, but I did take recordings of like when I talked to you guys about those uh, stick twists mm-hmm. on all these trees just randomly broken for no rhyme or reason. I found a bunch of that like everywhere. So I feel like you could bring a group back there. What would be the point of them doing that? I, I don't know. I, I some Maybe people they're think marking they're, like a path or something. Some people think they're markers. Um, and I could be wrong. Um, the only time I'm like, I think this is Bigfoot is when I, like I said, when you see the twist where it's been grabbed and twisted around. Um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, but those are the kind of things that make me think maybe there's something there. Those are the kind of things that are like, Hey, let's bring a small group. But what's crazy is that's like 20 minutes from a town that's pretty highly populated, you know, not nothing crazy, but it, it's a town in Colorado. So it's not like it, a lot of people say like, what do you need to do to have an encounter? I see that on Reddit a lot. And I'm like, you don't do it. It's not about what you're doing. It's like where you are mm-hmm. um, and the awareness levels you have. Um, so I think that's really important. That location's important because when this guy was asking about, it, I was like, dude, just go camp. That's what I did when I had my experience, whether it was Bigfoot or not. Um, that's where the experience came from. So you have to get out there is the, is the point. Right. And, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're going out there to just see what we can see. Yeah. You know, I mean, the likelihood of us running into something, I mean, as low as it may be, we're putting ourselves out there to get the experience to see like i said before see what we can see but i mean asking someone how to get the experience Mm -hmm. isn't a viable question i mean it doesn't make any sense i mean you have to go out there and experience it for yourself you have to put yourself out there you gotta buy the uh the bigfoot call at walmart and then just blow into that sucker blow into it three times at 3 a.m and you'll get a deals together and call it a day well it's funny because i bought a bunch of those like wounded rabbit calls and stuff like that but i've never even thought about using them when i'm out in the middle of a forest like a mile and a half from the road or my car or whatever. It's not like, no. a safe thing to do at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this thing's going out there to get food. It finds you or coyotes or whatever. Not that coyotes would do anything, but you no, know, that's a big rabbit hole. Yeah, well, yeah, coyotes are scavengers, anyways. So, um, I guess you know, and the benefit is if anybody's like even remotely interested in doing something like this, is that there's a a very natural sense of being a person in nature because you know we weren't born in concrete well we are born in concrete jungles but the point is is that's not where we came from right so even if you're just out in the forest like there's almost this reset button and um i think that's really healthy so uh, that that's the other benefit like of just being out in the forest you know observing nature for how it is not you know not behind a computer screen or something like that. our natural state in a sense yeah and so i think that's really important and uh, i think that's kind of the excuse my like dad does to rationalize all my ridiculous stuff that he's like well you're out hanging out with your friends you know and i'm like yeah all right dad no 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 but he he knows the story and you know from that like i told you guys that got me interested and everything so he probably blames himself at night if we're being honest but um or blames his mom, but um, you're not like throwing your life away doing this stuff. No, right. <laughs> but you don't have a job. You don't have, you don't know anybody. Go there and sell the Dad. Yeah. That's all I need. <laughs> it's the lottery. I need more money. <laughs> so, um, and I'm joking. Like my dad doesn't care. He's actually really cool and open about it. But, yeah. 
Um, I, I would just, and I'm not encouraging anybody to go do anything, but I'm saying if you do, like, there's there's a sense of kind of wholeness, I think, when you go out in nature. And as far as what this thing is, like, man, I have no clue. I didn't really answer that earlier. I just gave a bunch of other theories. Um, there's a bunch of things about it. Like, as time has gone on, and I've done, you know, I do more research of reading. I've been reading, you know, different books lately and um, my own experiences. There's a part of me that feels like it's more than an animal. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily mean more human, but just there's something. It's like to, to say it was an animal is just an oversimplification. Um that's not to say it isn't, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but there was a part of that feeling, that dread feeling that is, it almost makes me feel like, like genetic memory or something like that. Like that was like ancestors, like that's something they dealt with. And I just got a taste of it, you know? Um, like, like our they, natural enemy, like on right. the food chain. Like <laughs> they talk about, you know, we see faces and everything, pareidolia, right? And which is like all the big folk communities online especially on social media they're just like oh here's a photo of trees there's a bigfoot you know but <laughs> you see it the reality is is that that's instinct is natural because that's what kept us alive back in the day right yeah absolutely so i think that whatever this thing is it's super intelligent if you feel like you need to leave you probably should if you ever get in one of these situations like most people you talk to have some sort of belief system and everything mm-hmm. like we believe our car is going to turn on every day and we have no clue if it is going to because you know we're not auto engineers but the fact is like these you know there is so much room for possibility and like mm-hmm. i would just challenge people to keep an open mind because like i'll listen to people talk about whatever like i'm i might not you know agree with them or think that it's real or whatever but i'll still listen to them but i would challenge anybody who's mildly interested take 30 minutes a day just do some light on research you know f- there's some super awesome podcasts out there about it um, most of the information I'm regurgitating from podcasts and books and just forums I've read through and, um, and you know, there, there's, there's so much things we can waste our time on in life. So why not do something like this? Like, why does it just have to be a career? Why does it just have to be the next car? Mm-hmm. Like if it's spending time in the woods, if it's going down haunted roads, like whatever, like, like why not search after a great mystery of life, you know, whatever piques your interest outside of the norm, you know? Right. So that's kind of. I would say. And I feel like that's why, you know, a lot of people are scared to do what, you know, we've been doing or anybody else or what you do because, I mean, they all fear the unknown. Mm. And I feel like for me, the unknown has always fascinated me. I mean, even when I was little, I always, you know, sought things out that, you know, may have been, you know, ghosts or whatever or just whatever is not the norm. I always sought out to just either research or just to to learn more about. And I feel like that's what, I mean, life is meant to be about is shared experiences, regardless if it's your own or not hearing, I mean, hearing yours, hearing other people's listening to what they've experienced and then spreading that information, you know, giving that experience to other people, try to get them outside of their box. Right. And I feel like that's what more people need to do. Get outside of your box, you know, challenge yourself, challenge your beliefs. Well, Caleb, I mean, I, I'm much more informed than I've ever thought I would be on Bigfoot. And I think I'm actually, if not, if, if not anything, very mildly interested. Yeah. <laughs> very like mildly. mildly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more than not mild, but not like insanely interested, but I'm actually, I mean, you've piqued my interest for sure. And I mean, I, I if anything, I'll probably do a little bit of my, of my own research and look into it some too. And I would love to come with you sometime. I mean, absolutely. I, that's, that sounds amazing. Oh, wow. Yeah, what else do you got to say to Senor Caleb? 
Um, honestly, get the fuck out, <laughs> man. You've been here for a while, man. So uh, I think you've overstayed the welcome. Um, no, nah, I do appreciate you coming on and uh, and talking to us and enlightening us on uh, you know our our Bigfoot knowledge or lack thereof. Uh, and it was definitely cool to have you on like right after this last episode when it kind of transitioned like, hey, this is probably Bigfoot, and then it's like, oh, boom, let's talk about Bigfoot. Like have yeah. an episode dedicated to that whole like what we heard and like what it could possibly be. So it was definitely definitely cool to uh, to hear about for sure from a different perspective too. From an you know an ignorant. <laughs> Yes. Standpoint for sure. Yeah. Because <clears throat> I mean, anything that's ever been taught to me about Bigfoot has been from Hollywood. So for sure. Harry and the Hendersons, you know, A plus film, classic. Mm-hmm. The Abominable Snowman from uh, the Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the, the Facts. Little, uh, yeah, yeah, claymation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Claymation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it uh, overtook the culture after the '60s a little bit with the Patterson film and all that. It's kind of interesting when you start to see it. And we kind of mentioned that earlier. You you see it a little bit more now with all these kids' Bigfoot movies coming out. Well, Littlefoot, Son of Bigfoot, Missing Link. Yeah, there's another one. Uh, makes you wonder what they're trying to tell us. But no. Because um, people were afraid of these things, you know. They turned, right. I feel like Hollywood tried to like, you know, That's all make mild them so. Doses. Yeah, it's like it's ridiculous. Like I mean, Harry and the Hendersons. It's like literally this giant freaking beast, and like, no, he's part of the family now, guys. It's cool. Right. He's eating out of the fridge. He's our buddy. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, I have any shoes that fit, but it's all good. <laughs> yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. I mean, uh, there was, you know, there's plenty of other stuff we could have keep going and going on, but I think this was pretty well rounded. Um, the I, the historical records pretty. There's a lot, mm. and uh, and that, that's probably one of the most fascinating things to me. I just when I was going to school, I was going to be a history professor, so I love history. And mm. we, I heard you say something about that earlier. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, thanks for having me on, and thanks for sending me the audio. It's pretty cool. Um, I showed some other friends or that are kind of interested in it, and they were like, "Whoa!" So uh, it's pretty fascinating. So, yeah, thank the you. The fact that no one else also knows what the hell that we heard, and this—I mean—that's another creep factor right there, man. It's just crazy. Yeah, uh, I put it on uh, Facebook in this group, and one person said an animal, and then the rest of them were like, "It sounds like a a, a woman, like a haunting woman," and another one's like a yeti, <laughs> like straight up, like it was a yeti. Just like nothing that's else, it. just yeti. <laughs> Like the company? Can I get one of those cups? Like what? <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, uh, we're we're always down for sponsorships because uh, those things are expensive. Yeah, they are. Thank you for listening to Dread Talk. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, be sure to rate and review the podcast. You can keep up with us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the handle Dread Talk Pod. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.